Warning, what you are about to hear is born of long years of deep friendship, shared experience, brutal honesty, and the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Please, do not walk up to the first black or white person you know and start this sort of banter. It will not end well. Welcome to Racial Heresy, the show where two Episcopal priests, one black, one white, attempt to violate the established racial doctrines of American culture and provoke you to do the same. Allow me to introduce Father Drell Ballantine, an island-loving, baby-holding, church-leading, orthodox-quoting, hymn-singing, priest, husband, father, and all-around good Negro. And allow me to introduce Father Case Ramey, an NPR streaming, MSNBC watching, privilege abandoning, standing up for racial justice, priest, husband, father, friend, and all-around high-quality cracker. How you doing, my brother? I am great. I am great. I am so good this week. I am basking in my whiteness. Oh, I can, thanks be to God. You can you can go to the airport without any problem. And, I can. I can fly wherever I want. I can come back whenever I want. I don't need no visa. I don't got to prove nothing to nobody. Let me man. tell you, brother, it is awesome. You should try it sometime. You know, I would love to try it, but, you know, I got to travel this weekend, and I think I need to travel in my full clericals to make sure I don't mm. get arrested because, mm. you know, my brown skin might make me a closet Muslim, you know? Hey, name you got like that Jabril beard. and everything, you know, the beard, <laughs> a name like Jabril and... Woo, that's all it takes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you carry those books around, black and the black Muslims, right? Well, I don't, we're probably mostly scared about those. Right? Yeah, so, so get, I damn sure can't me. wear no bow tie when I travel. You know, I better walk oh, across the oh. festival cross. Mm, mm, yeah, ooh, yeah. You got nice, straight, you know, wide something, red, you oh, know, yeah. with the stripes. Oh, mm. yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It, 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 whew, it is, a, it is, I mean amazing i mean it is amazing we have we have forgotten american history we've forgotten biblical history we've we all over the place i mean i don't know what you're worried about like they all tell me it's not a ban you know i mean you know and a damn sure ain't a muslim ban you know uh it's just a travel restriction you know and it says and, and it's only temporary so i don't know why you are getting up in arms mr christian and the crazy thing about this brother and i I'm going to ask you, as the resident white guy on this mm-hmm. podcast, uh, I'm going to ask you for our listeners' benefit, you know, to, to explain to me the difference here, because I'm really trying to figure it out. You know, it's like, you know, you you, you, you ask folk about the ban, and, and they say first, you know, the first, and this is clergy I've been having these conversations with, and the first mm-hmm. thing that they want to come back with is that it's not a ban, uh, no, and no. we need to do it. And, you know, they have this excuse and they have that excuse and this rationalization and that rationalization and other justifications and all sorts of things, you know, tools of incompetence um, in order to explain away this nonsense. And my simple question, which cannot be which has not been answered yet, and maybe as you speaking on behalf of all white folks can answer this question for me. Happy to do it. Wonderful. Wonderful. I appreciate that. I've come to the right place because the question that I have is. Do you realize that Jesus Christ, who we say that we follow, was a terrorist who was accepted as a refugee. King Herod had declared him to be a terrorist, and he had ordered that all children under age three, all male children under age three, be killed because there was a threat to the state. There was an enemy of the state in their midst who needed to be killed. And I'm sure this edict from King Herod went out all throughout the known world at that time. 
And Egypt, the America of that time, Egypt, the world power of that time, accepted those refugees who came to Egypt's shores. Imagine if Egypt had refused Jesus' entrance. Now, now, before I go answering your question. I know, I know. White folks got caveats before they answer no, black folks' no, questions. You got to understand, I got to call you on something, brother. You are misusing scripture. Okay. You no. are misusing scripture. Okay. All right? Scripture, all right, as the foundation of the church, Uh huh. scripture is here to comfort. Scripture is here to provide solace. Scripture is here to uh, salve my wounds and to salve our wounds. Not sure about your wounds, but it's here to <laughs> salve my wounds um, and to comfort me. And this idea of, of language like calling Jesus a terrorist, that makes me uncomfortable. Oh, okay? so I'm and supposed to be him, like Talladega Nights and just praise big baby Jesus that's living in the manger wrapped in his swaddling clothes and paying no attention to what was going on socially around him. Now I got it. Now, I got it. There are days, and this is one of them. I could care less what you do. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that the church I know and love and the church that I'm a part of and the church that I'm a priest in, uh -huh. right. Is here to comfort folks, especially folks like me. And that is our doctrine this week. And that is what we need to focus on, right? Let us think about the misuse of scripture that you provided as an excellent example, right? That we can use as a, as a way to, to lead into this idea that the understanding that you seem to lack, and let me teach you something here. Please right? do. Thank you so let much. Let me teach you. I had to stop myself from saying, boy, you know, let me teach you something, boy. Uh, it's just, it's like it's in the DNA. Or something. Yeah, it just comes out, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, did, let me teach you something here. This this church, just look around. You got all sorts of we got all sorts of evidence that, that this church, my church, our church, your is church. here to com is here to comfort first and foremost. It is here to comfort white folks. That is the doctrine that we examine this week, and it's a powerful one. Yeah, and I mean, and 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 to unpack that because I know you all sense our snarkiness and whatnot, but to unpack that, it it really is like. You know, somehow, some way, we are able to reconcile the gospel as a church around this idea that there is some justification that allows for us to be accepting of denying access to refugees. Hmm. I, we don't, you know, we don't even have to. We don't even have to have it accept. I, I would go even further than than you have. Okay, I would say that. You know, we just need enough wiggle room, right, to just not have to quite take it on, right? To just maintain some little corner of comfort, some little place where we can either wring our hands or or be a little bit upset, but ultimately that we can still kind of find comfort. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. I can definitely see that, man. I mean, the minute you say that, it reminds me of some some dialogue that I had with some other clergy just just this past week. You know where. You know, here I am in Central Florida and, you know, tourist capital of the world. You know, we get mm -hmm. over 70 million tourists a year in, cent in, or in, cent wow. in Central Florida and the Orlando area. Yeah, it's the tourist capital of the world. It legitimately is. And people come from all over the world to come to Disney, to come to Universal, to come, you know, to come to Orlando. And, you know, the, 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 the question that I have is, okay, what is... Where is the statement? Where can I find a statement on the Muslim ban? That's the question that I asked. 
uh, where can I find a statement on the Muslim ban? Now, this isn't me judging anything, saying what needs to be said or anything. I just want to know, is there a statement from the diocese on this ban? And the response that I get from, from, from the clergy is that, you know, who says it is a ban? And the other, and then I respond, you know, okay, maybe it's not a ban, whatever you call it. I still want to know what is the diocese saying about it, you know. And then one has the audacity to say, you know, well, because I, I say that, you, you know, asking me if it is a ban, that's a non sequitur in, in this argument, of, you know, in this whole thing of argumentation. I asked you a question, you know, and, 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 and your response has no relevance to my question. And here's the white man's response to this boy mm-hmm. is that is that, well, uh, no, it's not a fallacious argument. I asked you a question and you refused to answer. And in my mind, brother, in my mind, you know, and this takes us off topic, but it goes about the comfort, the length that we're willing to go, the length that white folks are willing to go in order to comfort themselves. Right. Is to appeal to this whole sense of. Well, I asked you a question and you didn't answer. I was like, damn it, I asked you a question and you ain't answer. You, 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 once again, once again, my brother, you underestimate us, right? You completely underestimate us. Oh, yeah, 100%. I thought you you knew your whites better than that. Um, Yeah, I don't know my whites very well. That's right. We, we, we created a whole church and not just a whole church. Like we created a whole world for ourselves to bring comfort. We created just this whole massive, I mean, it is a world. You hear people all over the place, white folks all over the place talking about, and I, and I, I will tell you, right. I have experienced some of this, right. I have felt like my whole world has come crashing down. Hmm. Right. I, I have just, I have felt like everything I thought I knew, you know, so much of what I thought I knew, it's just crumbling. This despair, this despair that everything is falling apart around us. That's the world we've created for ourselves to comfort ourselves and to keep ourselves comfortable. And we have built a church to do the same thing. Yeah, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. And we'll and we'll defend that to no end. And we'll, mm. you know, we'll give everything that you all have in order to defend that right to be comfortable. And so rather than address a statement, because yeah, we got Democrats in the church and we got Republicans in the church, and stereotypically. Republicans are all for the ban and Democrats are all against the ban. But, you know, as the church, we got to keep the white Democrats happy and the black Democrats and and, and the white Republicans happy. And so in order to do that, we make sure that we say nothing. Mm. I don't want to upset the white Democrats. I don't want to upset the white Republicans. I want us to all be comfortable together pretending to be Christian. And so I need to stay silent. And it costs us. It costs us dearly. I mean, I think about uh, the way that that the 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 politics of Jesus, and y'all have heard us talk about how how, how we believe Jesus is political, not partisan, but political, right? It, right? There's an expression of our faith in the public sphere. That is politics, right? How we enact love in this world, justice in this world, that is political, right? And instead, and instead, we are letting fear, right? And, and this idea of we can't be uncomfortable just for a little bit, right? We're letting that be used against us, turned against us to divide us and to make it partisan. We can't sit in the pews and be uncomfortable long enough to hear the end of a sermon so that we can think critically 
and reflect deeply and maybe go to coffee hour and have some conversation and stay in relationship with each other long enough to work this through, to work it out or not, or, or to, to still sit with each other and, and to wrestle with this and to be uncomfortable for just a little while. We, we're sitting here and if, if the first taste that we get at church is not that, that wonderful, sweet mother's <laughs> milk that St. Paul talks about, if that's not the first little drip that we get, we're done. Done. We're shut down. Done. Done. You know, and it, and it goes back to that whole thing we talked about before. You know, you know, with me misquoting the Bible and whatnot, or misusing yeah, yeah. the scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole piece about you know this whole idea that you know Jesus out of the outside of the context of society, and what I mean by that is it's comfortable for us to think about you know to not to know that Jesus was a, was was political. It's comfortable because it's comfortable for us to imagine that Jesus Christ was killed for our sins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a result of his killing. But no, Jesus Christ was not killed for our sins. It's not like it's not like the Jews and Pontius Pilate got together and was like, you know what? We need to kill Jesus so that humanity can be saved. That's mm. not why Jesus mm. Christ was killed. Jesus Christ was killed because he made them uncomfortable. Jesus Christ was killed because he upset the status quo. Jesus Christ was killed because he he was a rabble rouser because he was political because he was politically polarizing. He was not killed for our sins, it, you know. That is one of the benefits by God's mm. grace that mm. we that we cure. But it was not why he was killed, and so when we talk about heresy, you know, yeah, the doctrine is that the church is here, the faith is here in order to comfort us. And it's almost like that's an incomplete statement. And so the heresy would be, a, for, for me at least, it was a continuation of that statement. The church is here, the faith is here to comfort us in our convictions against the status quo. Comfort us in that uncomfortable place of fighting the good fight. Yeah, yeah. I love my worldly comforts. You have heard me extol the virtues of those comforts at the opening of so many shows, right? Yeah, the man. worldly comforts of my whiteness, the worldly comforts of my privilege, the worldly comforts that, that the the uh, generational accumulation of wealth and the generational comforts of systems designed to support and defend my right as a white man to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and to benefit as much as I can from it in bank loans and housing, in 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 personal safety and neighbor, all of this stuff. I mean, these worldly comforts and they're killing me. Yeah. But you know, they are dividing me and separating me. And this gospel message that you bring that we bring today, right? This gospel message, it says that recognizing the, the, the evil, the vileness of this idea that the church is here just to comfort. And because that comfort has been, has been used to support and to continue these worldly comforts. And and the gospel message is we're not here for those worldly comforts. Yeah. We're here for a conviction. Right. And you know the the, the, the thing about that, because people say, oh, I don't want to live my life in conviction. Well, I would hope you do, because if you don't, then you don't want to go into the kingdom of God. Because here here's the reality, beloved. We can either cling to our worldly comforts or desire the heavenly comforts. 
And when we say that the gospel is here to convict us, the gospel is here to convict us of those worldly comforts so that we can embrace the heavenly comfort, the grace, the love, the blessing, the joy, the peace that is found alone in Jesus Christ. But we can't it's, have that so long as we cleave to these worldly comforts. So long as I don't want to get involved because I'm not in, affected. You know, I'm cool with a Muslim ban. And yes, damn it, it's a Muslim ban. I'm cool with a Muslim ban because I'm not affected, because those I know aren't affected. Then we can't have heavenly comfort. And that heavenly comfort, that idea that you talk about, I mean, this convicted in the kingdom of God, I mean, this is good news. Amen. Thanks right? be to God. This is amazing. You would talk about conviction. Let us be convicted of our power. Let us be convicted of the agency that God has given us, the will and the energy. Let us be convicted of the light that shines within us. We are created in the image of God. Let us be convicted of who we are, right? And what God has made us. You want to talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. You want to talk about God, Jesus, the light of the world, right? The light from which all light began. You want to talk about light like the Big Bang? This kind of amazing, blinding, incredible, powerful. This is what we're to be convicted of. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. And, and, and what could be more comfortable than that? And so, beloved, it's, it's like, why, why continue to sell yourself short? You know, we're selling ourselves short in, in our faith, holding on to this worldly comfort and trying to appease the world, trying to appease Democrats and Republicans and forsaking the gospel. You know, I don't, you know, and, and that's the thing. When I talk about that, that, that conversation with, with my own cl colleagues, my, cl my clergy brothers and sisters, and I ask them a question about where the church stands on this Muslim ban, and the answer is, well, Democrats do this, or, well, Republicans do that, or liberals. and I don't give a damn what liberals or conservatives say. I want to know what the gospel says. Because my job is to not be right with liberals or conservatives. My job, our job as clergy, is to make sure that we are right with the Lord. Our job as the church is to make sure that the world is right with the Lord. Not that the world is right with liberal or conservative ideology. And so if the church is going to spend the next however many years trying to be right with Democrats or Republicans, then the church is going to be part of the problem. If we're going to be, be part of the solution, brothers and sisters, then we need to be, be worried about what the, 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 the gospel says. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. I'll get off my... Keep it off the way. Be convicted of the ultimate and absolute love of God yeah. for you and for your neighbor, Muslim gay, straight, wh whoever it is out there, be convicted of the love of God. Yeah. That is gospel. Look, it's not about whether you agree with somebody. It's not about whether I agree with your lifestyle or not. The gospel tells me my job is to love you, to let the Lord do the judging. My job is not to d agree or disagree with abortion for you, with gayness for you, with Islam for you, with whatever it is for you. My job is not to agree or disagree. That's for me, whether I agree or disagree with abortion, whether I agree or disagree with homosexuality, whether I agree or disagree with Islam. That's for me. My job for you is to love you. That's what the gospel requires, because the Lord will indeed judge. That is his prerogative. That is his goal.
brothers and sisters, if we are to share the life, the light of Jesus Christ in this world, let us focus on the way that we love one another. For that is what Christ says, how we will be known and how we will be known to be his disciples, that we have love for one another. So we are hoping that you would have love in the midst of everything that you're seeing, seeing all of this stuff about bands and all of these, all of this rancor back and forth about who's worthy of freedom and who's not worthy of freedom, who should be able to come to the land of milk and honey. That, you know, if we think that this land is a land of milk and honey, then we're foreshadowing the kingdom of God. So in a sense, if we're saying that you don't deserve to come into the, to the land of milk and honey, then we're saying that you don't deserve to come into the kingdom of God simply because you and I made the determination. We got to get out the way of the gospel or we will perish like fools. Be convicted of God's love for you and for your neighbor. Brothers and sisters, this is urgent. And so until next time, I'm Father Jabril. And I'm Father Case. Imploring you, imploring you, begging you to risk it all and exercise whatever power, whatever privilege, whatever stature you have to become a racial heretic. And now here it is, your moment of sin. All right, dramatic new information has emerged in the story of one of the nation's most notorious crimes, the murder of black teenager Emmett Till. In 1955, a 21-year-old white woman named Carolyn Bryant claimed, claimed that Till made sexual advances toward her. Now, that claim led to Till's kidnapping and death. Historian Tim Tyson said the woman who made those accusations has broken her silence for the first time to recant her story. She claims that he grabbed her by the waist, that he held her, that he right. wouldn't let her go, that he touched her hand, and she says that is not true. Right. The two white men who were yes. accused of murdering Emmett right. in 1955, they admitted it later in a magazine yes, interview. they did. They were acquitted by an all-white, all-male jury, yes. and so they could not be retried. Thank you for listening to Racial Heresy. Be sure to visit our website, racialheresy.com, to post your questions, comments, and feedback and to share your own stories of life as a racial heretic. Want to hear more? You can find past episodes of Racial Heresy on iTunes and the Racial Heresy website. Want to hear even more? Invite Racial Heresy to speak at your conference, council, church, training, or event. Email us at ebonyandivory at racialheresy.com or visit our website for information on speaking engagements.